The Atlanta Braves won the NL East in 2022 for the fifth consecutive year, but it was quite the battle for the Braves as they had to fight and claw their way back in order to win the division, which ended up being one of the toughest divisions in all of baseball. That figures to still be the case in 2023. Today, we're going to take a look at the Braves' opponents in the NL East, talk about what they need to do this offseason and who is the biggest threat to the Atlanta Braves going into 2023. We'll cover all that on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and you can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Always love hearing from you, the listener. Also, make sure if you're new, subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you're watching this video on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell to help support the show. And as always, thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. Continuing to post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday throughout the offseason. So a lot to get to on this episode. We're going to do an NL East offseason preview. I've yet to really break down the other teams in the NL East, which I think was maybe the best division in all of baseball last year. When you look at the fact you had 200 win teams and the third place team in that division ended up in the World Series. So I think it's certainly one of the toughest divisions, if not the toughest division in all of baseball. You're going to have three teams who are either going to be in the luxury tax or right there next to it with obviously the Mets ready and willing to go way over and the Braves and Phillies pushing that envelope as well. So I think it's the toughest division in all of baseball. I think we saw that last season as well. So I want to take a look at what the Mets, Phillies, Nationals and Marlins have to do the soft season in order to compete and do any of them have a chance of taking down the Braves in the NL East. Now on paper, Looking at things the way they are now as the offseason begins, I think the Braves are the pretty clear favorite in the NL East. The Mets lost a lot on the pitching side, which we'll talk about. Uh, The Phillies, I think, have some glaring question marks, and I think those question marks were there last year. I think they just got hot at a good time, and they do have some really good players up and down. Bryce Harper's going to miss half of next year, we already know. Marlins are an up-and-coming team that have maybe the best pitching staff in all of baseball, and I really like the trades that the Nationals have made. I think they could be a little bit of a scrappy team, but they're obviously still young and rebuilding and lacking just talent overall, but I like the moves that they've made in some of the trades where they've been in this rebuild. So let's go through this team by team. I'm going to talk about the losses, current lineup, and the needs for each team this offseason. I am recording on a new streaming platform tonight, so uh, be with me as I go through the comment section trying to learn all of that and how to handle all of those comments. But I see a bunch coming in and appreciate it. Thank you for joining me live here. Well, let's start with the New York Mets, the biggest threat to the Braves in 2022 in the NL East. They have some pretty big losses going into the offseason. Brandon Nimmo, the only really 
position player, but they use a lot on the pitching side with Ottavino and Lugo from the bullpen and Chris Bassett, Jacob DeGrom, and Taiwan Walker from the starting rotation. They did pick up Carlos Carrasco's $14 million team option for 2023. So right now, you look at the top of that rotation, it's Max Scherzer and Carlos Carrasco, and then there's some question marks after that. They also have already signed Edwin Diaz to a five-year, $102 million deal to help sure up that bullpen, one of the biggest uh, reliever deals ever signed. So um, they get him back. We know how great he was last year. As the current lineup stands right now, it's Thomas Nito and James Mechanic catcher. However, they have a top prospect and uh, somebody that a lot of people consider to be the best prospect in all of baseball in Francisco Alvarez, who could be in the mix for that catcher spot he did make his debut last year so he certainly could we could see him at the catcher position this year you got pete alonzo at first luis giorme at second francisco Lindor at shortstop eduardo escobar at third base however again another one of their top prospects who got a cup of coffee last year brett Beatty. he likely competes for uh, that job as well at third base and then you could move escobar either a second or the bench and let him and giorme fight it out at second base in the outfield, you got Mark Canna, Starling Marte, Jeff McNeil. So it's really already a pretty solid outfielder. Although I would or outfield, I would say they don't currently have a a a center fielder. I know Starling Marte can do it, but I've been saying for years he's not a center fielder. He doesn't rate well there. Uh, so I think that's one of their needs for me that I'll talk about in a second. The DH, they have Daniel Vogelbach and Darren Ruff right now. I think they're probably looking for an upgrade there as well. The starting rotation, I mentioned Scherzer, Carrasco at the top, then Tyler McGill and David Peterson, and then I'm not sure what at the moment. Their needs, two big arms for the rotation. I think they ultimately get one of DeGrom, Rodon, or Verlander. I think they get one of those guys, probably DeGrom, although there was news that they met with Rodon on uh, Tuesday. So they're certainly, you know, out there looking, but I think they get one of those big three. And then I think they bring back, you know, another mid rotation guy. Maybe they reunite with Chris Bassett, but I think they get two, you know, middle to top of the rotation arms this off season. I think they get two big arms for the bullpen as well. And to behind Edwin Diaz and Drew Smith to replace Ottavino and Lugo. So I think they need two arms for the rotation, two arms for the bullpen. And then I think they need a true, center fielder but there's really not any of them available you're looking at like maybe a kevin kiermeyer but that's a defensive first type of player they could just go for a corner outfield bat live with Marte in center field um, and if they do that they i think they obviously have the money to go after a judge or you know bring back brandon nimmo but i think they also probably look at the second dairy tier there of outfielders in hanniger brantley and benintendi so Again, I think they get two big arms for the rotation, two big arms for the bullpen, and then I think they get one position player, whether that's somebody for you know third, second, or outfield. I think those are the moves that the Mets make this offseason. Honestly, I think it's the moves the Mets need to make in order to get back in competition with the Braves for the division and in the postseason as well. I mean, they don't they don't replace DeGrom at the top of that rotation. That's a, a big loss. That's a big step back, in my opinion. Obviously, you can't replace Jacob DeGrom, but to me, that'd be a step back for the, the Mets going into next year. 
All right, looking at the Philadelphia Phillies, they have some key losses on the pitching side as well. Um, they have Gene Segura on the position player side, but then Zach Eflin, David Robertson, Corey Knable, and Brad Hand out of the bullpen. Still got some solid arms out there and Sir Anthony Dominguez and Alvarado. Uh, they also lose Noah Syndergaard and Kyle Gibson from the starting rotation, so perhaps an arm there that needs to be replaced. You look at their lineup right now, you have JT Realmuto at catcher, Reese Hoskins at first. Don't really know who's going to be at second right now. Bryson Stott at shortstop. He can move to second base if needed. Alec Bohm at third base. Kyle Schwarber in left. Brandon Marsh in center. Nick Castellanos in right field. And then, I, like I said, Bryce Harper is going to be out for half the year. And then when he comes back, he's going to be the DH. So still a really good lineup and a really deep lineup. Obviously, defense will remain a little shaky with the guys that I just mentioned. You look at their starting rotation. It's Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez. Really solid top three. Uh, Bailey Falter, who had some good moments last year. Not really sure who has that fifth spot. They have a top prospect, Andrew Painter, who could be ready in 2023, but maybe not to start the season. I think he only had a handful of starts at double A. Um, but I still think the back of the rotation is lacking a little bit. I look at the needs for the Phillies, possibly across the infield. There's talks of them wanting to replace Reese Hoskins, Alec Bohm. You know, he's he's had some good moments, but obviously both of those guys on the corner infield struggle defensively. Bryson Stott, I think, is a good player, and I think he really settled them down at shortstop and on the infield when he kind of got going there and took over, and he gives you a good at bat. I like Bryson Stott. But I think there could be some changes coming on the infield for the Phillies. They clearly have to get somebody up the middle, and they could be in play for one of the big free agent shortstops. I think Trey Turner would make some sense. You could even put him at second base, although that's a pretty hefty price for a second baseman and keep Bryson Stott at shortstop. If not, you know, they could go the cheaper route, maybe bring back Gene Segura, maybe go with Elvis Andrews, Jose Iglesias, or trade for Ahmed Rosario. Uh, so I think they, they have to get somebody, I believe, for the middle infield at least. But the rest of the lineup you know, is pretty solid. They're going to score runs. They need another starter for the rotation. I don't think they're in play for one of the top guys, whether it's DeGrom, Verlander, or Rodon. I think it's more likely a Nathan Evaldi, Sean Manaya, or Chris Bassett, somebody in that range. But I think they get somebody like that. So for the Phillies, I think they get middle infielder, and then a mid-rotation mid type starter. That's what I believe the Phillies will do this offseason and what they need to do in order to get back to the postseason and compete for a World Series once again. All right, next we'll take a look at the Marlins and the Nationals, two teams who are rebuilding but have some really good young talent that might not be far away. We'll talk about them next. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, they've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, and you obviously do, you're here listening to this one, you can find those at BetOnline as well. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. So continuing our NL East offseason preview, looking at the Miami Marlins, no key losses on this team, which you know tells you they're young and there's also just weren't really a lot of great players. They did uh, DFA or non-tender rather 
Ryan Anderson, who a lot of people have talked about as maybe a possibility for the Braves. I'm not sold on that idea, but uh, they do you know, non-tender him, so he's a free agent. At catcher, you have Jacob Stallings, Nick Fortes at first, Braves killer Garrett Cooper, Jazz Chisholm at second, Miguel Rojas at shortstop, Joey Wendell at third base, John Birdie in left. That could be taken by J.J. Blade, one of their top prospects who got some time last year at the big league level. Brian De La Cruz in center, Avicel Garcia in right field. World Series hero Jorge Soler at DH along with Jesus Sanchez. That lineup needs some some work. There's there's really one, maybe two positions in there that are locked. Um, the lineup needs work. There's no doubt about that. But you look at this starting rotation, Cy Young winner Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Jesus Lazardo, Edward Cabrera, Trevor Rogers. They got Braxton Garrett, Yuri Perez, you know, knocking on the door. It's one of the best starting rotations in all of baseball, so much so that they could be looking to trade from some of that depth in order to make some upgrades to the lineup. Pablo Lopez is a name that's been floated out there for a while now and somebody that could potentially get moved this offseason. You look at the needs for the Marlins, pretty much everything outside of second base and starting pitcher. They need bullpen help. Uh, they need they need outfield help. Uh, I think they would love to get rid of Avicel Garcia in right field. You know, John Birdie, you know, he's a guy that can play everywhere. And I think J.J. Blade openly takes one of those spots in the outfield. Miguel Rojas, a solid defender at shortstop, but they could certainly use an upgrade there. Um, you know, Garrett Cooper kills the Braves. I don't know that he does necessarily does that great against other teams. Um, so again, there's plenty of rooms to make plenty of room to make upgrades here. And, you know, they have a very good farm system. There's players on the way, but I could see them trading from some of that starting pitching depth this offseason in order to in order to uh, improve some of the position players for the Marlins. If they can do that and they can just get a little bit of offense if Jazz Chisholm stays healthy, if J.J. Lede turns into the, the big time prospect we all thought he was coming out of Vanderbilt. You know, they get another bat or two in that lineup where Hazelaire stays healthy and hits like he did with the Braves. You could maybe envision a world where the Marlins, you know, have a really good season, but they're in a really tough division and that lineup just is not going to hold up. As great as that pitching is, that lineup's just not going to get it done over 162. So they got some clear holes that need to be filled in the lineup before we start to see the Marlins turn the corner on their rebuild. As for the Nationals, may surprise you. I really like what they have going position player-wise and starting pitching. Uh, no real significant losses this offseason. Cesar, Cesar Hernandez, Steve Ciszek, Sean Doolittle, Joe Ross. So nothing major there. Again, a young team who's rebuilding. Kybert Ruiz at catcher. Uh, first baseman Joey Manessis. Again, another Braves killer. Luis Garcia at second base. C.J. Abrams, one of the top prospects they got. From the Padres and that Juan Soto deal, he looks like a good young shortstop. They just signed Yimer Candelario today to play third base, so they have him in there now. Joss Palacios in left field, Victor Robles in center, Lane Thomas in right field. Not sure who they have at DH, so certainly still some question marks there in the lineup. But uh, I like Ruiz, I like Abrams. That's a pretty good, you know, solid foundation that they have there. I just need to get a couple more guys around them. And then the rotation, 
I like Josiah Gray. I think he's going to be a solid, you know, middle to top of the rotation, maybe a two or three starter. Patrick Corbin uh, just eating up a hole in their uh, in the payroll and in their starting rotation as well. Kate Cavalli, big prospect. Uh, Mackenzie Gore as well. Both of those guys got a taste of the big leagues last year, and I think they're going to be solid in rotation. I think Gray, Gray, Cavalli, Gore, you know, are going to be a really solid top of the rotation for the Nationals. And then Steven Strasburg ever stays healthy. I mean, you could be looking at a pretty good Nationals rotation. But again, kind of like the Marlins, they really need some help in the lineup. They need help primarily in the outfield. I think they go out and get a couple of cheap outfielders this offseason, you know, a Tommy Pham, somebody of that regard um, that you can get on a pretty cheap deal, you know, on a one-year deal and just kind of piece it together in the in the uh, outfield. Need somebody, obviously, at DH as well. So, again, there's there's pieces there. You got Carter Keboom coming back off Tommy John's surgery, once a top prospect in the national system, just hasn't been able to get it going, hasn't been able to stay healthy. Perhaps he puts it together. Again, kind of like the Marlins. I like the Nationals rotation. It's not as deep as the Marlins, but again, like the Marlins, huge holes in the lineup. And I think they could piece it together this offseason and put a decent lineup together. But again, the competition in the NL East is so good, it's just not going to be enough to get it done. So the Marlins Nationals, you know, are clearly the two worst teams in this division, but you know, I see signs, at least in the rotation, of those two turning things around. So that's where I think the other four teams in the NLE stand right now and what they need to do this offseason. Let me know your thoughts in the comment section below on YouTube and in the chat as well. And we'll take a look at some of those next. A little bit of news from Tuesday, and I talked about this already. The Mets met with Carlos Rodon, one of the top free agent starting pitchers this offseason. So it's clear they're out shopping at the top of the market for starting pitching. Maybe that means things aren't going particularly well with Jacob deGrom. We'll have to see how that plays out. But sounds like they did at least have a meeting with Rodon. We'll see if those talks intensify. All right, I take a look at the chat section. Got a lot of comments out here want to to get through real quick um anthony hood i kind of want to talk about this he said let's see if alex makes a surprise move and signs a good player for left or re-signs deval i i've been saying this pretty much all offseason i think the braves make one big splash this offseason i think it's either at shortstop or left field i think you're either going to see them sign dansby at shortstop and then go after adam duvall for left field or i think you're going to see them stick with arcia and grissom at shortstop and go after Andrew Benintendi, Mitch Haniger for left field. I think there's one big move in the Braves this offseason. So, again, it all depends on, on which move makes the most sense, and a lot may depend on what Dansby Swanson gets offered from other teams and if he just gets outpriced for the Braves. Because I don't see Alex going over you know, what he feels comfortable going over for Dansby Swanson, and I think he's at that number, and if another team – you know, goes way over to the point where Dansby just can't pass it up. I think Dansby's gone. And I tweeted out today because there's a lot of people projecting hits 25 million a year. What what one stat do you look at with Dansby Swanson over his career and say, I see this guy being worth 25 million a year over the next six years? 
you know, obviously you can look at 2022 as a whole and you can look at his, his war numbers and it tells you he's one of the best players in all of baseball. But you look at his career where he was, you know, a six war player in 2022, he's primarily been a two and a half, three war player. Good. I want Dansby. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's just, what do you see over his career to tell you he's going to be a six war player for the next you know, five or six years, because that's what you're paying him. If you're paying him, you know, 25 million a year, in my opinion. Um, yeah, Anthony talked about uh, the Astros picking up uh, Abreu, who was with the White Sox this off, uh, the other day as well. That's a big pickup for the Astros. They're going to be good next year. Uh, Hines says we're in one of the top two toughest divisions. Us Philadelphia and the Mets are all threats to win it all. It'll be interesting to see how divisions factor in now that everyone plays everybody. That's a great point, Hines. I did not bring that up. The schedule changes in 2023 where you know everybody plays everybody. You're still playing your division opponents a bit, good bit more, but it does you know kind of level things a little bit. We'll see if the NL East kind of just dominates some of the other divisions out there. They beat up on each other. Um, as Braves N01 says, should be a good division race again this year. Um, see a couple more here. Hines says again, if the Braves pay big for shortstops and they'll need to get cheap in left field while Duvall Grossman and Pollock are good. I think Brian Anderson would be a sneaky addition that could pay off. I talked about Brian Anderson a minute ago as the Marlins non tendered him. I would honestly love Duvall Grossman or Pollock all over Brian Anderson. I'll say the only plus side with Brian Anderson is, he can play corner infield spots, so you get the possibility of getting a backup for Riley and Matt Olson. Um, but I would still take Duvall or Grossman. I'd really take AJ Pollock, but I think he's going to be out of the Braves' price range. But they have some good splits. Um, Gary Gibson says we need one of the big four shortstops. If not Dan's, then, the, then one of the other three. Also, how much is Benintendi going to cost, and do you think Ozzy is going to be helped by the shift going away? Um, like if they're not going to spend on Dansby, I just don't see them going after one of the other four shortstops out there. Maybe Alexander Bogarts, if his price comes down a little bit. As far as Ben Intendi, he's been projected at around $15 million a year over four years, so not too terribly bad. Some of that could depend on Justin Henry Malloy, who we talked about in yesterday's podcast on Miners Monday. If they think he could be ready later in 2023 or potentially 2024, maybe you go with a platoon to start in 2023, see if that works out. Malloy gets going, you call him up. Uh, if it does work out, then you just ride that out for the rest of the season, and hopefully Malloy's ready for 2024. And I do think Ozzy, Matt Olson, I think they're both going to benefit greatly from the shift going away. I think both of those guys will for sure. Um, all right, let's see a couple more here. Got a lot of comments. Um See, JL says Acuna will be better next season, and that will help. That is a great point, um, and something I heard on, I believe it was a Battery Power podcast, I was listening to the fact that the Braves were so good last year and so good offensively, and yet we know there's another level to Ronald Acuna Jr. that we didn't see, or at least see consistently. If he gets back to that level, you know, obviously upgrades or not, I think this offense is still going to be one of the best in baseball with a healthy Acuna. Hopefully Soroka will be solid. I'm certainly right there rooting for Soroka would be a big 
um, a big get for the Braves, a big boost for the Braves. Um, Rico Baker says Philly's got a lot of money available. They really do. Um, and they obviously are going to spend it. Um, Rico also says the Marlins lineup is still trash. I can't uh, disagree with that either. Um, Braves in one says Mets are definitely going to be a problem next year. Kind of like this year. I agree. Look they're they're going to blow through the luxury tax. They're going to spend big. Like I said, I think they get two top of the rotation arms, two bullpen arms, and then possibly an outfielder or some other type of bat as well. And they, they have to, they almost have to just to get back to the level that they were last year, which put them neck and neck with the Braves. Um, no more soda with the national. So good. That's certainly one good thing. Um, Let's see. If Soroka comes back strong, we will have the best pitching in the NL East. I, it, it's hard to argue that as well. I think, again, you look at Freed, who finished second in the NL Cy Young voting. Spencer Strider, second in the NL Rookie of the Year. Uh, Charlie Morton, I know he wasn't great last year, but been one of the better pitchers. Kyle Wright, 21-game winner. You add Mike Soroka, and then obviously if he can get back to his prior form as a top-of-the-rotation uh, player, I think, you know, he certainly, Braves certainly would have an argument to be one of the best rotations in all of baseball. Um, see if, um, see if we got one more in here to get to. Again, apologize, streaming on a new platform tonight. So trying to uh, learn all of this here. Um, Braves in one says, where does Harris bat next year? For my money, I'd bat him second. Acuna, Harris, Riley, Olsen, good balance. Um, I've thought about that as well. And I almost say you start him lower in the lineup to begin the year. If he comes out and hits the way that he did in 2022, I would honestly love for him to be the new leadoff hitter. I know that's Ronald's spot, but perhaps, especially against righties, I know Harris struggled against lefties a little bit. Maybe you maybe you bat him first or second against righties, and you put him, you know, sixth or seventh in the lineup against lefties. But I do like him at the top of the order again, especially against righties. If he's going to hit the way he did last year, I'd bat him. I'd bat him first or second. I think that's a solid spot. For the Braves, does if you bat him second, you know, it gives you that right with Acuna, left, right with Riley, and then left with Olsen. So good balance at the top there. I definitely agree with that. All right, that will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Thanks as always for joining. Thanks for the comments in the chat section. Thanks so much for the comments on YouTube as well. Appreciate all of the conversation there. Again, thanks for making Locked On Braves your first listen of every day. Now go make your second listen, Locked On Sports. Today, it's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. You can find that podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts, just like this one. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves. You can follow me at ShortstopBall. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. 
Hey, this is Stacy Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 